0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard.
1: Wow. wow. What a week last week was. Broadcasting my 100th show from the India Retail Forum in Mumbai. And as usual, had a wonderful time in India. And the economy is booming, and retail is really advanced. And they're—I don't know—they just um, they have a, a real handle on it. Of course, it's one of the technology capitals of the world, so you'd expect them to be um, te- technologically advanced when it comes to retail. But it's really fantastic place. If you haven't been to India, you really should put it on your list because it's great. Now, this is the show that champions entrepreneurs startups early stage in fact all small businesses and it's heard right around the world at the same time every week now last week i told you who i thought some of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time were and your response was fantastic i had um, quite a few disagreements about a couple of my choices but um there were some fantastic suggestions came in about who should be on the list and it really reinforced to me just how important entrepreneurs are to civilization in general and to growing this economy or, in fact, any economy. You know, entrepreneurs revolutionise business. They create opportunities for everybody and they change the way we think and they change the way we live. Great, great entrepreneurs can have an impact on us for generations and generations. Well, after my comments a couple of weeks ago that Apple was insulting us by no longer being innovative, sales of the new iPhone are up around 12 million somewhere. (laughs) Shows what I know. And that's an unbelievable effort. Also, Interbrand announced this week that Apple is the most valuable brand in the world edging out Google, and Coca-Cola sliding to third after being the most um, valuable brand for almost as long as I can remember, I think somewhere around 15 years or so. What is interesting, though, is that of the top 10 brands globally, five of them are in technology. Apple, Google, Microsoft, Samsung, and Intel. Now, the company that fell the furthest on the list was Nokia, which dropped from 14 in 2011 to 57 this year. That's one hell of a slide. This week, Sunday night, everybody was glued to the television phenomenon Breaking Bad, was the series finale, and it broke all records, attracting 10.3 million viewers. Now, when you think, this isn't on network television. So it represents another major triumph for cable over broadcast as it easily beat out every other show on Sunday night. However, let's keep it in some sort of perspective. Following Netflix three Emmy Awards a couple of weeks ago, which showed a seismic shift in the way people are obtaining their entertainment, it's worth noting that, Worth noting (laughs) that Nice Peter, which is a three-minute program on YouTube, has attracted up to 78 million people. So Breaking Bad 10, Nice Peter, 78. Okay. Further, you know, Facebook announced this week that as many as 100 million Americans log onto Facebook every night between 8 and 11. Now, this is an audience that is more than double. All of the broadcast networks and all of the cable networks are combined. So not only does Facebook have a bigger audience than television, its advertisers can reach more specific consumer groups and at a lower cost, you know, Facebook really does deliver very highly targeted reach. So I don't know what this says about television. I think it says it's pretty much doomed, at least the um, the major networks are. Crowdfunding, we often talk about crowdfunding, and again, uh, it's been a phenomenal boon to entrepreneurs looking for investment, try and. Take your project to the next level. It's a bloody hard thing to do to raise money, but literally millions of entrepreneurs have obtained funding. But now it's all about to change dramatically, and for the good, with the law allowing direct investment in startup businesses for the very first time. The new law allows startups to market, you know, their private share offerings to potential investors on websites, on social media, on print, television. Wherever else you can stick an ad. So, the ability to be able to pitch to a much wider range of investors, that should help startups get more funding much faster. At the moment, they only accredited investors. You know, they're people that earn more than $200,000 a year or have a minimum of a million dollars in net worth. And really, that Today, that's really not that much money. They're the only ones that are eligible to fund startups. However, beginning next year, funding is going to be open to everybody. However, you know, if you're not an accredited investor, you don't earn 200000 a year and you don't have a million bucks in assets, then um, you'll only be able to spend 5% of your income on crowdfunding, on equity crowdfunding. But still, that's... Still a fantastic lot of money when you think about all the people that um, are involved. And the crowdfunding sector is expected to generate more than $5 this year, and I think as from next year, that's going to expand dramatically. Huge difference. It's also interesting this week that um, Grand Theft Auto 5 became the fastest selling entertainment product of all time. This includes all motion pictures and all video games, everything. It generated over one billion in revenue in the first three days. And you know we say billions and trillions and things, they slip off the tongue these days. But you think a game that generates a thousand million dollars in three days, a thousand million dollars in three days, that is a shitload of money. Wow. It's also interesting that Grand Theft Auto 5 had a production and marketing budget of $265 million. So, you know, the big guys get bigger and richer because they can afford to do it. And one of the most popular elements of uh, my presentation last week at the India Retail Forum was my segment about using low-cost mediums such as low, lower-cost mediums such as Facebook and Twitter to drive people to your store and then once in the store to be able to direct them and then upsell them at the cash register. And um, I spoke about the ways that you can use mobile to drive your retail sales. You know, They're pre-buy, in transit, on location, delivering offers in-store, and then a point of purchase, and of course the all important post purchase. i was just trying to think of the words in for a minute, but get yeah, post purchase, I guess, after they bought, left the store, how you can then follow them up, and uh, you want to get them then using tweets and all the other and Pinterest, etc., to. Show people what they bought to talk about your store and then drive people into your store. I also spoke about how various retailers were using new media, you know, like um, J. Crew using Pinterest to launch their catalogue this year, um, 188 Hotel, uh, which happens to be in Sydney, offering free rooms to people with 10,000 Instagram followers, Oreos with their famous. Uh, dunk-in-the-dark Facebook post, Coca-Cola's use of YouTube with the unlock-the-secret-formula promotion that they did, um, Bonobos Men's Tailors retweet incentives, Taco Bell used QR codes and Scotty P Hamburgers who had fantastic success with mobile coupons and they're just a few, you know, there's, it just goes on and on and on and uh, these promotions demonstrate that if you're creative, then new media is a an extraordinary way to drive your business at a low cost. But before you actually create the specific promotion, there are five steps that you need to take. Firstly, if you're on Twitter, you need to create an account for your business, and you know, maybe more importantly, um, An account for the most important people in your business because with almost no exceptions, people like to follow a person and not a business. So by creating an account for both your business and yourself, you greatly enhance your your chances of um, getting an audience. On Facebook, you've got to create a business page and claim your Facebook place. You you know, you've got to also have a Facebook profile for yourself that's linked to your page. And uh, Facebook provides more tools and functionality for people that are linked to profiles. The second step is to build your audience. So before you can get somebody to visit your bricks and mortar store, you have to be able to get them to visit your Facebook page or follow you on Twitter. And once you have your Twitter account and Facebook page set up, then you've got to spend time finding and building that audience. Now, because most businesses are pretty local and are only going to do business with people in a pretty close proximity, then you should build that local audience first. If you're using Twitter, visit the advanced search, which will bring up all the recent tweets that meet your criteria with the handle and the avatar of the person who tweeted So then you can follow these people or click on their profile if you want to get more information. And because following a person usually creates an automatic reaction where they then in turn follow you, a lot of those people are going to become followers. And on Facebook, using the targeted Facebook ads, uh, leveraging your personal profile and creating a compelling landing page, well, that'll build your um, fan base pretty quickly. And, of course, the third step is then to create content that engages your audience. You need to create a steady stream of contact and a dialogue to engage them. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, you can always create content that's compelling and that's relevant to the audiences you're trying to attract. The problem is people don't spend enough time thinking about it. They're not spending enough time being, time being creative. They assume that if they stick it up, people will come. Does not work that way. On Twitter, you can use people's handles in a tweet. While on Facebook, you can tag someone in an update. But always remember: if the main port, look, again. If the main purpose of you talking to somebody is to drive traffic to your page, if you if you if you make it obvious, it'll backfire. So you need to be seen to give honest, sincere appreciation to people for their feedback. The fourth fourth step, you've got to leverage location-based apps. You need to realise that a rapidly increasing number of people are using location-based apps, and usually they're linked to their Twitter or Facebook accounts. This means that when they check into your place, They're letting all their friends know where they are, and that's got to be great for your business, doesn't it? It has to be. It would be worthwhile to encourage the checking behaviour of your patrons by setting up tabletop displays with information on things like Foursquare and GoWalla and Facebook places. It would be a big help. Finally, you've got to incentivise your audience to visit with you. Building loyalty connect and connections with your customers, well, that's, that's a long-term strategic deal. However, there's lots of ways to provide incentives to make an immediate impact. You know, you, there's discounts and coupons to special people. You can get them to print out uh, coupons that they bring to the store, a whole bunch of ways that you can do. And while we're talking about mobile coupons, The number of US smartphone users using mobile coupons increased from 7.4 million to 29.5 million last year and will hit 50 million next year. So 50 million people using mobile coupons and 41% of mobile coupon users say they redeem coupons at department stores and grocery stores, clothing stores And we've only just begun. We have not started yet. 50 million people downloading coupons. Woo! You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And the whole reason that we're here is to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. That's our whole purpose in life. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air. Or we'll email you directly if perhaps maybe it's too boring to be on air. So you're listening to the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Business Community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Well, this is the segment of the show where we interview people that have achieved great success and who are making a real difference in the world of business. Now, this program is all about entrepreneurs, and the major concern of business today is how to brand your business, how to create strategic marketing plans, particularly with the event of media, and how do we generate leads, In this rapidly changing, highly competitive marketplace, entrepreneurs need to act quickly to enter the market and they need to do it correctly the first time. Now, irrespective of what business you're in, generating leads and creating sales is what your business is about. Without leads and without sales, you simply don't have a business. My guest today is Will Wiegler, who heads up, The global marketing team for the TAS Group, driving strategic marketing programs, branding and lead generation activities. Before joining the TAS Group, Will was Vice President of Marketing at Big Machines, where he led the company's highly successful marketing programs and expansion of its customer base across a diverse mix of vertical markets. In other words, this boy knows what he's talking about and it's a pleasure to have him on the program. Hi, Will. How are you? Welcome to the Bob Hi. Pritchard Radio Show.
2: Thank you, Bob. It's, it's a pleasure to be here today.
1: Good. Will, sales are the key to any business success. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, your sales me- methodology? Um, incidentally, TAS stands for Target Account Selling, which is a great straight-to-the-point name.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. So, that, so that's right. So the TAS group um is focused on sales methodology and on on helping sales people become more productive. And 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 as you know, um you know, n- n- nothing happens in a business until sales happen. And um and so that's key. So so we focus on helping primarily B2B sales be more productive and 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 we focus on what we call improving their sales velocity. And by that we mean more qualified deals in the pipeline, larger deal sizes, higher win rates, and shorter sales cycles. And we, and we deliver that through a combination of sales methodology and software. Our software platform is called Dealmaker, and it really takes the methodology and puts it into the workflow of the salesperson. So, so the target account selling methodology has been around for, for a long time. It's actually, um, was started in 1989, Um and And what it focuses on is helping you prioritize and focus your efforts on on the areas that are of mutual value to your customer as well as to your company, so it helps you focus on the right issues with the, the right people in your in your prospect organization and at the right time
1: okay Is, is, it, um, is it about just increasing the amount of um, um, calls you generate or to, to get a better result is that Well, so it's
2: a lot more than, than that. Um, so it's helping to understand where you can provide mutual value to your customer and really understanding their challenges so that you can sell and provide value into the into solving their problems um, so so for example um um, one of the things that we start with the TAZ methodology is is in deal qualification, is understanding where the opportunities lie. Right. Uh, you know, salespeople will will love to chase opportunities, but are they chasing the right ones? So, so in, in, in TAZ methodology, we start with four key questions, um, yeah. and so, so that you're not wasting your valuable time on deals that you shouldn't be in in the first place. And those questions are: Is there an opportunity? Can we compete? Can we win? And is it worth winning? Right. And you'd be surprised how many salespeople spend time um, on deals that really they have no chance of winning, or the opportunity isn't even there. But they they're hoping they can create one. And um, and what we've also seen, we do a lot of studies, a lot of measurement. Um, to understand the, the world of sales and really what's happening out there in the B2B market. Yeah. And um, let me ask you a question. If you have a salesperson who's spending time and they win deals, and then you've got some, some deals, of course, that aren't won, what do you think takes longer, a, a winning sales cycle or a losing sales cycle?
1: I have no doubt that a losing sales cycle takes a lot longer. Yeah, and what we've
2: seen is that – absolutely right. What we've seen is that losing a sale cycle is typically at least 50% longer than a winning sale cycle. Yeah. So so if you can take the, the deals that are least likely to be won and remove them out of the pipeline earlier, right, you can be spending your time on the deals that you have much more chance of winning.
1: Okay. Now, when you talk about no chance of winning um, – Based on what? One of the things that I argue about all the time on this program is that um, sales is not about price. It's only about price if you make it about price. Um, You know, only 13% of the population buy based on price, and usually that's for a whole bunch of reasons. But if you um, focus on other benefits apart from price that separate you from the competition, then you can often win... A project and also get a better margin, better return on investment, etc. So what are, what are your criteria for winning? Sure, and, and I agree, agree with you completely. You know, you, you
2: never want to be caught uh, trying to sell on price because somebody can always sell something for, for cheaper. Yep. Um, and so what you really need to do is you need to understand what are the business challenges that the customer is facing and sometimes they don't even know what the right solution is that they should be shopping for right Usually. And, and, and and yeah that's right and so you know you need to be the the person who understands their challenges and can consult and help them understand how to solve those and hopefully your you know you, your product can can meet that need um and but, and part of that also is making sure that you're dealing with the right people you know Are you dealing with the people who have the authority to buy? Are you dealing with the influencers to the to the decision makers and, and you know can you map out the the political structure of the buyer 's organization to really understand that you 're spending the right time with the right people are you Are you talking to the people on the inner circle of the decision making and and so our methodology actually helps you map that out and 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 um, measure how well you 're doing in all those areas you know you know one of the things that we also see is that the 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 buying cycle, the sales cycle is, is getting shorter and shorter uh, as we move forward in time, um, and and that's because buyers are doing a lot more of their early buying process away from the sales rep. Sure. Right. You know. Think about think about how you. I, I think of this as sort of the consumerization of business buying. You know, think about yep. how you buy a product in your own personal life whether it's a cell phone or a coffee maker or, or a car you know you 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 go online you start to look for, for the op, the uh, options you have out there you do some research you you um, you know you go on some maybe on some forums or, or, or review sites and you see what other people are saying about it so that by the time you finally go to make that purchase it, at that point it's really about price yes and what you want to do as a salesperson is get into that cycle much earlier where you're providing value and you become the trust advisor who really understands their needs and their, and and how you can be helping them. I, uh, and then it's not about price.
1: Yeah, I, I see one big problem with this. It actually means that the salesperson's got to think. Now, yeah, <laughs> now that's right. It, it's that's really, right. It's really interesting because a lot of um, I often, particularly in presentations, um, say to people, look. Abraham, a great quote from Abraham Lincoln is that if I had eight hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening the axe. And then I'll say, how many of you spent six hours sharpening the axe before you went into your last sales meeting? How many of you really studied your client and knew exactly who they were personally and then what the company was about and what they needed and what the issue was? And the number of people that do is almost none. (laughs) Uh, But that's true.
2: <laughs> um, and, and and so what a lot of businesses do to respond to that kind of a need is they say, oh well, we'll send our salespeople to training, and we'll we'll teach them how to be better salespeople, and, and then that will you know make them smarter. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's kind of the the traditional. Sales training model that's out there now. Right, you take people out of the field, and either you send them off to some training, or you bring training in-house. Um, and, and and there's a problem with that. And and the model is really broken. And the model is broken because if you take salespeople and you teach them some new some new ways to sell, and then you put them back into the same you know seat selling the same way, and and expect them to apply something new, they don't do it. Yep. And in fact, within 30 days of attending training, if there's no ongoing reinforcement. People forget 87% of what they've learned in the first 30 days. And now sales training is a $10 billion industry, which means $8.7 billion is thrown away after 30 days. So, um, so, so, so we look at that and we say, all right, if they're going to learn a methodology, and we help them sort of learn the methodology, and, and we do some training with them up front, it's got to be reinforced in their daily workflow, and that's where our software comes in. That's why we believe technology is a great enabler here. Our dealmaker software is built into their CRM system, which is where they're doing a lot of their daily activities anyway, and it guides them. Through the sales process, it helps them understand what they should be doing next, what questions they should be asking, tracking the information. And in fact, it gets smarter over time. So we've got we've got artificial intelligence and predictive analytics built into our software right. so that it learns from the patterns that they're doing, and then it can actually provide them with intelligent deal coaching that is specific to their deal, not just sort of generic, oh, have you thought about these things? But, you know, here are the things you have done or haven't done. Here are the people you've spoken to, but here are the ones you need to speak to based on the map of the organization.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think, um, you know, most businesses need a huge shakeup, and I'm, I'm a great believer in the fact that traditional methods of doing business of training and educating people, it is just no longer appropriate in this in this high technology, fast moving world. And and I look at my son went to Tim Draper's University up in Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. it's a it's at a one hundred percent departure from all types of education that you um, that you get currently. And my son Hunter left saying, Wow, that was great. I learnt more about you know, without learning anything traditional, he knew more about being an entrepreneur and about um, the business world than he would ever learn if he spent the rest of his life at university mm-hmm. so Great. how does automated sales coaching, which is smart coaching how does it how does it really deliver those sales insights better than it, than we're used to it, it it's just um, it's, is, that, is it? it 's conditional on what the um, salesman puts in right so so it is absolutely um and it's and it's built
2: with a knowledge base already you know of uh based on all of the work that we've been doing for years and all of the sales cycles that we've been watching for years um and 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 all the years of the methodology so it it comes with a knowledge base already in there um and then as you implement it into into your business you set up some conditions that are relevant to your business so so it's totally configurable for different kinds of industries and different sizes of businesses and even different types of sales cycles within the same business. So if you've got an enterprise sales cycle or an sure. SMB or a government or, or that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so there is some configuration up front so that, so that it follows the rules of your business, but then it learns over time as well. And 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 one of the challenges – in a lot of sales organization, is coaching. You know, everybody. If you ask any sales organization, they would say, yeah, that's really valuable. And and we've seen lots of studies, and we've done some ourselves, where we see that when coaching is used, win rates go up. And we've we've asked managers, you know, why do you not do more coaching in your organization? You know, is it that you don't see the value? Is it you don't have enough time? And what we find are those reasons. But also, managers don't know how to coach, and sales reps don't sure. know how to ask for coaching. Yeah so So, one of the things that 's really interesting to observe when when companies use our, use our software is not only does it give the sales rep some insights into the deal they sh- they should be doing. But it also, the sales manager has access to that information, too. So now they can sit down with the sales rep, pull up dealmaker, get some high-level uh, understanding of how they can now help the sales rep and have a conversation around that. And okay. it, you know, we've been rolling this out in a number of companies. Um, HP, Hewlett Packard is one of our customers. And, okay. and, uh, and they found that the coaching makes a huge difference for them because they can have that intelligent conversation with the manager and the sales rep, and now the manager is empowered to understand how they can help.
1: The salesman... Salespeople like it. I mean, you know, it's hard to duck the real questions. If you, <laughs> I mean, the number of the number of salespeople who don't get a sale because the competitors slash their prices and we just can't possibly compete, rather than look in the mirror and own up to their own foibles. Um, so, is it? Does it intimidate salespeople? So.
2: You know, on the whole, the answer is no. I'm sure there's always going to be some people who say, "Hey, if I can't sell by, based on my good looks and my my charm and my intuition, you know, I don't want to, uh, That's not the way I want to sell." So, so, so you're you're always going to have those kinds of people. But, but you know, are those the ones that really want to bet the future of your business on, or do you want to work with those that really understand? The, you know, a, an approach that's going to build a long-term relationship with your customer because you're really providing them value, yeah. and um, and at the end of the day, if you can show the value in your company and you can, you know, show the success that it can bring, what salesperson is not going to want to sign on for that? Sure, no, um, I agree. You know, and, and and as I said earlier, we work within CRM, so our software is actually native inside Salesforce.com, and um, you know, Salesforce is a, is a great. Uh, CRM system, but, but really for many companies it just becomes a big database of, of data that sales guys don't want to put in because, you know, what, they don't want to stop selling to, to put stuff into Salesforce. Yeah. But, but when they can get value back out of it because now it's helping them sell and it's teaching them back and helping them understand what they need to do next. They're much more willing, and in fact, adoption of Salesforce goes up in companies where they use Dealmaker because the sales guys are getting value and not just putting out you know, time to, to fill in forms.
1: Okay. Now, one of the qualities that makes a, um, a great entrepreneur rather than a failed entrepreneur is the ability to overcome obstacles, and in our careers, we all, need, we all face lots and lots of obstacles. What are the biggest obstacles that you've faced, and how did you successfully address them?
2: Well, that's an interesting question um you know i think that the, I, me personally I'm, I'm kind of a, a an analytical scientific uh, minded guy and uh so i'm always looking for 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 lots of information and and, and data and i like to base, base my decisions on on facts and and that sort of thing and, and i think one of the lessons i've learned over time is you, you know you can't you can't get everything right and you can't Wait for all the data before you can make good decisions. And you know, if you can, if you can get you know seventy, eighty percent of the information you're looking for, and then use your intuition and the experience you've, you've you know you've, you've built up to date to to base your decisions, that's going to get you most of the way and, and get you there faster. And um, so, I, I think you know, for, for me, I've I've learned to sort of you know trust on what I've done before, uh, collect as much data as I can, and then and then move and not just wait. And that's, you know, that's really helped me move forward.
1: One of the things we speak about on the program a lot also is the need for entrepreneurs and, in fact, all business people to have exceptional mentors. Um, you know, I've had I've had a group of mentors for a number of years that have changed as my life's changed, but um, they've been instrumental in what I am today, if that's any credit to anybody. Um, who, who's been your mentors or who's had the biggest influence on the success that you've had?
2: Um, so, so I've worked in a number of different companies, technology and otherwise, but mostly technology companies. And so I've worked for a number of, of business leaders and, and I try and learn something from everybody, both the good leaders and the bad leaders. And to me, that's really important too, you know, to, to look at the people who I don't think did a very good job, um, or were not successful. And what can I learn from them as well as the ones that are most successful? Sure. Um, and, and, and what I've seen is, you know, the the people that are successful are people who who have a vision, and they're passionate about it, and they hire the right people, and then get out of the way. Right, you know, paint paint the picture, paint the vision, hire people as bright as you are, or or preferably brighter, and then let them do what they're good at. Yeah, and I've I've had experiences where I've been hired into a company because of all the experiences I've had and the success I've had and the, you know the value that I that that I can represent and then I get in there and they say yeah but we don't really want you to do that we want you to do this yeah and you know I, and and so that's taught me lessons as well as I built my own teams is you know hire people who um, who have some passion for what they do and and uh, empower them. And then, Absolutely. and then kind of step out of the way and just make sure I can provide them the vision and the guidance. And, and I've learned that from, you know, some, some great bosses I've worked for.
1: That's really critical and it's, it's actually quite unusual. Most people have trouble letting go and, and trusting somebody else. I don't know why that is. Um, but you also always should hire somebody smarter than you because if you don't, you can only go backwards. Absolutely right.
2: Absolutely right. Um, and then, you know, there are some, some high-visibility business leaders that I think are, you know, that, that I look at from a distance as, as sort of inspiration. Um, you know, people like Mark Benioff from Salesforce.com. And one of the things that I think is brilliant about that company is that everybody in that company is focused on the same, you know, message and target and vision. And, you know, you can talk to anybody in the company and they can give you the same message about the company. I mean, how many, how many businesses... Do you know where where you know most of the company can't even tell you what the real core of the business is, or, or you know what their what their vision is all about? And and Salesforce has done a great job with that. Um, you know, people like Steve Jobs, who you yeah, know, uh, a visionary for lots of people. But but what I what I really like uh, about him is that he's he's had a very clear vision, and and he doesn't let people distract him from that vision. Yeah. Um, and you know, it changes over time, but but um, you know, he trusts he trusts in himself and he believes in it
1: yeah Elon Musk's another one mhm yeah uh, if you could give people one piece of advice, one single piece of advice to entrepreneurs and business people listening, what would that piece of advice be?
2: Um, so I think it's to pay attention to your customers because they're getting smarter, yep. they're smart and they're getting smarter all the time, and you need to you need to pay attention to how they're learning and how they're buying. And and provide value to them without expecting anything in return. So you know um, they're out there. They're out there looking for answers, and you need to be out there providing those
1: answers. And that's not the same as selling. Yep, I agree. I agree entirely. Right. Yeah, we're actually past selling, aren't we? We we're, we're really um, we're about solving clients' problems. We're past this selling. You know, I remember. Many, many years ago, it used to be get your foot in the door and talk as fast as you can until somebody signs a piece of paper. But, that, right. but that's, right. over. that's over. <clears throat> it, it is. And, you know,
2: I think social media has been a huge part of that. Um, sure. And, and, and everybody's out there looking for answers, raising questions, and you need to be out there seeing what those questions are and seeing where your customers are and what they're engaged in. And... um you know, and being part of that conversation early on. And again, not in a selling way, not because you're trying to promote something, but because you have some value to add and and you need to make sure that you do have value Back. to add so that when you're out there, um, you know, people care about what you say.
1: Will Wiglund, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been great to speak with you. Now, if you'd like to know more about target account selling and the TAS group, go to the TASgroup.com that's the tasgroup.com, or just email me direct at Bob at Bobpritchard.com and I will introduce you directly to will. This is Bob Pritchard and you're listening to the Bob Pritchard radio show on Voice America business and I'll be back in just a moment.
0: it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. This is the Bob Pritchard straight talking, absolutely no bullshit, tell it the way it is, business radio show. Now, after a fantastic 100th program last week from the wonderful Renaissance Hotel in Mumbai in India, where I gave the keynote presentation at the India Retail Forum. It's good to be back in LA. The weather, as usual, is absolutely magnificent. But I'd also like to say that images who put on the, well, they put on a lot of conferences in India, but they are really the consummate professionals at um, staging conferences and events, and I just want to say thanks, guys. It was fantastic. You made all our lives. There's was about 100 and something speakers on the bill and uh, made all our lives one hell of a lot easier. I've only been back a couple of days, so I'm a little bit jet-lagged, but um, thank God for Nespresso. (laughs) I couldn't live without my Nespresso machine, so we will prevail. Each week, we try to bring emails from listeners around the world and to give our um, female entrepreneurs equal opportunity. So my first email today comes from Lois McLean from Laredo in Texas. Lois writes, thank you, Bob, for a great show. I never miss it. If I have any complaint at all about the show, it's that there's not enough attention paid to traditional media. What I'd like to know is when you're creating an advertisement for a newspaper, Yes, believe it or not, many of us still advertise in newspapers. What are the most important elements to ensure that your advertisement gets acted upon by readers? Hmm. Lois, thank you for your email. I appreciate it. Um, I've never been a great fan of newspapers. i tell you why. You pick up a newspaper, it's got 200 and something ads in it, and people only look at the odd things on the page they flick through a page and they're gone um, and they throw the newspaper out, never to be picked up again. has got no shelf life whatsoever and they're bloody expensive. And also, no matter how good you are, it's hard to grab a reader's attention and have them read an ad. So I hope it's working for you, Lois, but I would presume from the fact that you've written to me that it's probably not. And if it's not, I'd think about it. But um, let's just talk in general about what you need to do when you're creating an advertisement for a newspaper or for a flyer or a poster or, in fact, anything that is a printed material, there's eight elements that are important. And uh, Lois, if you've got a pen handy or anybody else that is still reading and advertising in newspapers, people are still reading newspapers. They're just reading them online. You know, the, the um, pick up on online newspapers is fantastic and it's it's just so much easier. Um, if you get a pen, I'll tell you what these eight elements are and this is in order of importance. So the earlier I mention it, the more important it is, the more prominence you've got to give it in an app. The most important ingredient by far is the headline. The headline has got to command attention. It's got to stop people. They've got to be flicking over the page and go, Oh, I need to read this. It's got to, you've got to get it read and you've got to draw the reader into reading the rest of the advertisement. And a headline that's controversial or states a fact that's important to the target audience you're trying to reach will attract the reader. The other thing that's important is to make the ad about the reader. So you've got to word it in such a way that it becomes about them. Just think, you're driving, let's talk about a radio ad. You're driving along in a car and you hear an ad and it's for something or another, so you, what do you do? you pay any attention? No. You keep looking out the window or you're concentrating on your driving or do whatever, you don't take any notice. But if the radio ad started with, this ad is for Bob Pritchard, what would you do? You'd scream to the side of the road, you'd shush everybody down, you'd listen intently to the ad because it's about you. Well, you need to do the same thing when you're creating ads. It's got to be about the reader or they ain't going to listen. So that's the most important thing is the headline. The second most important element in your ad is the graphic. You know, a photograph or a cartoon or an illustration or some sort of a graphic that clearly and really simply illustrates, you know, the major sales appeal of your product or service. And it's not about trying to cram as many words as you can in an ad. You know, I remember seeing... um, a presentation by Steve Jobs where he said, you know, the most words you should ever have in an ad is about three. And if you have a look at um, Steve Jobs' ad, they had a beautiful phone and one word. It didn't tell you about how it works and all the minions of gadgets. You know, an iPhone replaced 14 other pieces of equipment, 14, and stuck them all in the phone. But he didn't advertise that in... The ads. I mean, it was really simple, cut through one, two, or three words, and that's all you need. When it's cluttered, it looks like the rest of the bloody newspaper, just full of crap. So you've got to really cut it down. And people always look at a photograph or a cartoon or a graphic, but it's got to clearly convey the reason why somebody should buy your product. If it's not related to the product, it's not going to mean anything. And the third most important element that goes along with that is the caption under the graphic. Because when you look at a graphic or you look at a photo or you look at a cartoon or something, you always read the caption. So if the caption's telling you why you should use your product, then that's really powerful and it's got to get to the emotional benefit to the reader. So they're the first three really important things. The fourth most important thing is your consumer purchasing benefit. I've talked about this before, and we, in fact, over and over and over again, I'm sure you're probably sick of it, but it's a critical part of all your marketing and all your positioning. And the consumer purchasing benefit, it's the primary emotional reason that people should buy your product or your service instead of your competition. But it's emotional because, you know, every single decision we make is emotional. That's a scientific fact proven. Every decision we make begins emotionally. Once you've made the decision emotionally, then you sit down and you work out, you know, you try to justify it pragmatically. Do I really want it? Do I really like it? Do I like the colour? What if I take it home and my missus hates it? You know, all those things then become into come into play. But... Initially, it's emotional, so you've got to get your message across. Now, let's take, say, Wheaties. Wheaties CPB, Consumer Purchasing Benefit, is the breakfast of champions. So if you're a mum bringing up a kid and you want them to be fit and healthy, you'll buy them the breakfast of champions, won't you? I want the, I want the breakfast that Michael Phelps eats. I don't want some of this other crap. I want Breakfast of Champions. So, copper tone, tan, don't burn. Well, that's what I want. I want a tan, I don't want to burn. So, it's emotional. Domino's Pizza. You know, they're all very strong emotional reasons why you should buy the product. So, you've got to emphasize in your ad why what the emotional connection is between the product and your client, the person you are trying to get. Now, you're not going to buy a lawnmower because it has 43 cylinders or whatever the hell lawnmowers have. You know, you're going to buy a lawnmower because people are going to p- go past and say, wow, your lawn looks fantastic. So if you're running an ad saying, hey, buy my lawnmower because it's got 43 pistons and 33 whatever things and it's whatever, Nobody's going to buy the bloody thing. Nobody gives a rat's ass unless they have really long grass and they're, you know, technically minded people. But the number of people that fit into that category are pretty slim. So you need to give people two really emotional reasons why people should buy your product rather than the competitors. And research has shown that two is the ideal number. If you give them ten, they won't read any of them. If you give them one, it's not enough to hook them in. So you've got to give them at least two or three max. The sixth most important, most, hmm, I didn't put my teeth in properly, obviously. The sixth most important, I did it again. (laughs) Something about sixth that I can't say. I don't know why. The sixth most important element is adding value. Adding value to your offer, provided the added value, you know, provided it's related to the product, you know, don't give away something that's not related to the product, that's going to increase your sell-through considerably, usually more than 50%. So you're going to get 50% more sales if you add some value. It could be 10% more product. It could be a promotional cap. It could be a training program. It could be a monthly newsletter. Um, you know, talking about the best ways to use the product. I said anything that is adding value to the customer's experience with you. And don't underestimate the um, the value of tips and a newsletter or whatever each month. They really work very well. The seventh most important element is the risk reversal. When anybody's out to buy anything, irrespective of the cost, you know, they get hesitant about spending the money because they think of, you know, a whole bunch of reasons why maybe they shouldn't buy it. It's always easier not to buy something than it is to buy something. So by taking away the risk by offering a money-back guarantee so they've got nothing to lose if they buy it, by promoting all the awards they've won. I mean, if you're going, taking your girlfriend out to dinner and you want to get laid, are you going to go to a restaurant that's got a sign out the front saying, we've won 43 American Express awards, or are you going to go to one that hasn't won anything? You're going to go to the one with the awards. So it's providing a take away the risk. Testimonials are great. The eighth most important element is have important, a powerful call to action. Tell the customer clearly what you want them to do because if you don't tell people what you want them to do, they won't do anything. So they might read your ad, your ad, but if you don't say when you finish reading this ad, go and do something, they won't. Finally, you need to have contact details, you know, full contact details, not some strange post office box in the middle of nowhere. You need to say, The customer needs to be able to feel confident that you really exist and you're a real company. Lois, they're the most important aspects of your printed advertisement and if you include all of these elements, your chances of getting a sale have just increased one hell of a lot. And, of course, the one important thing that I haven't mentioned is that once you've designed your advertisement, there are three things you've got to do. Three, test it. Test it and test it until you get the response you receive. Well, I hope that's of help. Um, I'll get you an autographed copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Butcher Your Competition, tomorrow. So if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you every week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website, which is bobprichard.com, and subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which will be coming out in about Two or three days. Send your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com, follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+, and contact me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Straight Up and Down Business Radio Show for Entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at precisely the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. I hope you have one hell of a great
0: week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.